Today's episode of 755 is Real is brought to you by Remarkably Remote, a new daily microcast from the experts at GoToMeeting, all about making work from home work for you. With indispensable intel on how to stay sane, motivated, and productive at home, we're here to help you in this brave new remote working world. Find us on smart speakers or subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. You can also listen to gotomeeting.com backslash tips. That's gotomeeting.com backslash tips. Seven fifty five is real with David O'Brien and Eric O'Flaherty. Welcome to seven fifty five is real. I'm David O'Brien, Braves writer for the Athletic, with my co-host Eric O'Flaherty, former Braves reliever. What's going on, Eric? How you doing, man? I'm good. I'm good. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a little sore. I did, I've been doing a lot of jigsaw puzzles. I think I've been sitting funny. <laughs> Carpal tunnel in the wrists, in the my knees. back, my low back. I, I never thought I'd say that, but this is it's what you got to look forward to when you're done playing. Isn't that crazy, man? The one time of the year where I have to like sit on the floor is when I when I wrap Christmas presents because I'm not married, so I have to wrap Christmas presents for my family. And my all this crap hurts that you, you're like, <laughs> why do my legs, my butt, my back hurt? Just sitting on the floor. Anyway, yeah. Getting old. That's what we got to talk about right now. Excited yep. stuff like that. <laughs> well, we got a, we got a uh, very special guest tonight, today. Uh, none other than Braves reliever Luke Jackson. What's up, <laughs> Slider man? Howdy, 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 y'all. How you doing, dude? You know, I'm just... Uh... I'm actually still in Northport, still in spring training. <laughs> I, wanted, I wanted to ask you about that because when I talked to you last week, you said you were in Northport. What's going on with that? How did you? Uh, oh, man. You- so I I rent in the off season in Fort Lauderdale where I live, and we got rid of our lease to go to spring uh, training and then the yeah. season. So we got rid of our lease. We had our yeah. When you rent in Northport, most of the time they make you three months. So we're like, all right, we'll just do the three month lease and yeah see what happens well paid off because now we have nowhere to live and (laughs) we're like depending if we're going to go back to fort lauderdale or up to atlanta or now maybe arizona hotel who knows (laughs) yeah because i hadn't thought about that since you were starting on the road then you didn't need to do your lease and uh or do anything until like the second week of the season right exactly exactly so i guess there were some other people probably in the same boat and had to go live at home or whatever Mm mm-hmm so, so you just kept it. You were in the same place that you were in during spring training. Same place, same place. There's some golf courses still open out here, so I'll get out there and do that. But outside of that, not much going on. Uh, and but unfortunately, the facility's not open, right? The yeah, uh, that close that closed like the first week. Yeah, that closed <laughs> the first week. How are you keeping your arm in shape, <sighs> dude? So Kyle Wright still lives here, which is nice. So I have a a throwing partner, but. There's a wall connected to this house that I slam balls into every night. I, I try to throw four days a week, five days a week. Me and Kyle get on the golf course and throw three or three, or three times a week. But outside of that, you know, it's at first we thought like, okay, maybe we'll take a couple weeks off, take a rest if it's going to be a three month downtime. And now we have no, we're kind of in limbo. So we're firing it back yeah. up and seeing where it goes. It's got to be weird, isn't it? To not yeah, have yeah. really yeah. any idea. Gotten, yeah, I don't have. We don't have a mound. We can't use the mounds here. There's not really anything going on. I don't have a personal catcher on hand, so it's kind of like, 
Uh-huh. The, the wife refuses to catch, so. <laughs> she, she can't catch her slider? <laughs> yeah, maybe that's the problem. <laughs> Man, that'd okay. be awkward. <laughs> yeah. I mean, for for a pitcher, it's even worse. Because like Freddie was said, Freddie Freeman's up here living in Atlanta and going over and hitting off a tee in Dan Uglow's batting cage five days a week. So for a hitter, you could keep doing that for months on end. But as a as a as a pitcher, you got to decide at what level am I going to be at? Right? You can't just keep throwing full exactly. bullpens for four months. Exactly. It's like <laughs> you don't want to. Exactly. You don't. You don't. You don't know if you're in a fine line of wasting bullets yeah. or getting ready to you know go to spring wow. training next week. So I think it's going to be harder for the starters. I mean relievers. Yeah, it's going to suck a little bit. But outside of that, the starters are the ones who are going to be really taxed on this. Well, everybody's going to suck. That's the good news for you. <laughs> Nobody's going to be that, locked that, in. <laughs> that, that's the positive part. <laughs> yeah, you just look at it that way. Everybody's going to be terrible. I, yeah, Luke, I so. hope you're wearing your cup, man, when you're throwing against the wall. <sighs> no, unfortunately, I, I got some <laughs> bouncy balls. Did you, you see Tucker Davidson's video? <laughs> no, I haven't yet. <laughs> he wasn't wearing a cup, I don't think. He got a rebound right to the nuts. Uh, <laughs> throwing against the wall. It happens. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, uh, were you guys surprised? You probably not that to to see the number of guys who've had TJ surgery. I know it's a couple of prominent guys at least. Right when this, you know, was when it was obvious we're not going to play for quite a while. All of a sudden, I mean, a couple it, of guys had TJ, and a guy had knee surgery. I don't think it was like all of a sudden. Oh, hey, I have TJ now. It's like, well, I have partial tears that a lot right. of guys yeah. have, and they're like, right. I have a down. We have a whole year off. You know, I mean, yeah. if there's a time to do it, yep, to be perfect window your career, exactly. Yep. Yeah, that's just uh, it just kind of goes to show, like pitchers, you know, they'll tell you that everybody grinded. If yeah, if you, exactly. everybody, if you did an MRI on pitchers who've been around, you'd find some damage in there. You'd find I mean, partial tears. Tell you all about it. Yeah, mine, mine. I mean, my my elbow had been bothering me for exactly. a, right about a year. I mean, for on and off for years, but it had been really, really bad for about a a full year when I had finally had Tommy John, and it was just, you know, if one of these things would have popped up in 2012, halfway through the season, I would have just mm-hmm. said, "Cut me now," because yeah, you, exactly. you know you got a big window of you're not really missing out on anything. Um, I think that's more the mindset. Like you could have 100%. seen Syndergaard maybe pitch this year if, if he was doing well enough. But if it's yep. something that he's been dealing with for however long, I mean, something like this pops up where you don't even know if there's going to be baseball. It's like, dude, get me in tomorrow. Let's let's bang this out. Yeah, you know, you know it's coming. A hundred percent. Yeah, and if you're like like you said, wasting bullets, and it's, so if you if you know you have damage in there, yeah. that'd be hard to keep going out there throwing bullpens, have, not having any idea when you're going to resume play and if you're yeah. going to play at all this year. Exactly. Yeah, if he if he can be ready by you know second month of the season next year, it was a complete win, huge win. So so the Arizona plan, which Kenny Rosenthal wrote something Saturday that they were discussing playing all the games in Florida or Arizona, most likely in Arizona, and more was revealed uh, after their meetings. The union and the and the uh, and MLB officials got together and started their started more meetings Monday, and it was leaked that they were discussing. They're they're starting to put together a plan that's not just far fetched. I mean, they're actually really discussing this as a this as a legitimate possibility of playing all the games in Arizona, and the logistics are really difficult. I mean, but if everything went right, I mean, it is 
conceivable that they could do this. And I think it just goes to show how, A, how much guys want to get paid because if the season is scrubbed, they're not going to get any more than that lump sum you already got. And B, owners and baseball officials know how many billions they're going to lose on broadcast contracts, revenues, all that. But just in the terms of what you guys have heard, what do you think the likelihood is if you could take close to a thousand people out there between players, support staff, coaches, uh, broadcasters, the minimal, the training staffs that you'd need, just minimal outside the teams, but it's still going to be a thousand people. And you basically have to isolate them in hotels and go between hotels and ballparks and nowhere else. You don't go out to dinner. You don't do anything else and you get tested every day and you're living in basically a biosphere type environment. What do you, do you think it's, you think it's, it's feasible? Uh, Dude, I I read all the stipulations and all the, I mean, my perspective, if like Eric Flair, he's got 10 years in the big leagues and doing a long time, a guy, you're going to tell him he's got to move to Arizona for four Uh months, Mm -hmm. bring his kids. No, I mean, you can't bring your kids, no wife, no nothing. You're going to live in a hotel. You can't go out and do anything. Sounds awesome right now. (laughs) (laughs) I've been quarantined with two kids for a month already. Give me a break. That's funny you said that. (laughs) But I was thinking... I was thinking. Like, well, I, I just, I'm curious to see what what the vote would be from the older yeah. guys in the league. As a guy like me, I'm kind of a nerd. I sit inside anyways, most of the day. I don't do much, and you know, I'm looking at two computer screens right now, and I'm curious to see, like, I, yeah, I, I'm, I, I could do that. You know, a lot of gaming. You could do a lot exact, of gaming. Exact gaming. <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm watching stocks. I'm doing all my reading. Like, I can. It's just this is what I do. So this is like right up my alley. But for people. For people who go stir crazy in there, I, for normal I people. don't. Exactly, I don't know. I don't know if you can sustain. And if they said there's ten fields, that means two, the twenty teams can play a day well, unless you run like a now day that'd be, night. Ten spring training fields plus the old one, the A's old field. That's a what eleven Phoenix Stadium, which not being used spring training, but it is. You still but you had twenty two. Plus, you know Chase Field, where you could play triple headers every day. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, Triple Astro Turf. I forgot. Yes. Yeah. And, and 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 it'd be the one place where you wouldn't be dying in the heat too. So you could play in the middle of the day there. So you could all fifteen teams, all thirty teams would have to play every day. Oh, to do this. Okay. Yeah. The thing is, is guys are going to have to show if you if you're going to have that many games in a you can't even get the the turnover to get guys into the clubhouse, all the uniforms and all that. Be really complicated too. But yeah. Morning, nine, three in the afternoon. Nine For me, nine. I don't, I don't understand how you're separating guys, or it, you know, like you said, they might have an instant test where you show up to the park and get tested every day. Uh-huh. Uh I, I mean, I feel like America itself would be back to normal if we were able to do that. If there was that many so tests available, but you know, you'd have to basically have guys showing up like little leaguers in their uniforms. <laughs> you know, you couldn't have people in the clubhouse working out, sharing tables, eating food, doing everything that's that's part mm-hmm. of the baseball life. You'd have to have them completely. Mm-hmm isolated from each other but if if they had those tests i mean i could see it possibly working yeah i think they probably would consider that you know doing the dressing and everything at your hotel where you're going to be and just getting in a bus and taking them straight to the ballpark playing the games and then they're talking about having guys sit down in in the stands yeah i don't think six feet apart (laughs) well if you had the test you wouldn't have to sit six feet exactly i don't know why you would have to i think that would be more uh, the government, yes, yeah. the government wants that because and this automated is what they're getting. Sounds kind of a little yeah. outlandish. Yeah, 
Yeah. If you have the test, like I don't think you need to take any of the other precautions. Like if you can, if everybody shows up every day and you can test them and say this person's good to go, then you can go ahead and interact like normal. I just I don't know when you know the contagion when you're contagious and and showing symptoms or showing a temperature or, or testing positive. That all has to line up to keep everybody um, yeah. from getting infected. But if one guy got it, man, it'd be like you'd have to shut the whole thing down again. Well, that's why they're saying that. The, a, I think you're right. I think the government is is would be the ones that want you to do the six feet apart. I mean, because yeah. that's what they'd be getting out of this. You you you're telling people, here's how we do do things now. If they can do it, you can do it. But in answer to your question, they're talking about you wouldn't have to shut it all down necessarily if you had these instantaneous tests right. that they're working on, and they think they might have in another month or two of widely available without robbing way. all the people who actually need the test. You know, they have to be. Yeah. There have to be a lot more of them than available now, obviously. Um, how, how, how's t- Japan doing right now playing? They're New Zealand? Or? No, they're playing in empty stadiums and just keeping guys yeah. away from each other. And Korea's about to start, too. I know uh, uh, Jeff Passan interviewed Dan Straley. They're about to start the season over there. And they're talking about all the things they do there. And they have, like, the gun that they're using when you come off planes now or going on to planes that for the uh, – Temperature. Yeah, yeah. So if you have a high temperature, boom, go to go turn away, go back to the hotel. So they would expand rosters, obviously, you know, and they, and I saw Kenny Rosenthal mentioned a figure as much as 50. I think he's talking about 40 man rosters being expanded to 50, but maybe your active roster would be 30, but they're making it. So if you lose a player, you bring in another one, you don't have to shut it down. You get him out of there. He's done. You know, so as soon as he shows any symptoms or whatever. Interesting. I yeah, think the I mean, maintenance, the, man, like it's so hard to, to stay yeah. ready to play baseball. If you're doing this stuff where you, you're just showing up to the park without any any ability to prepare, there's you're putting a lot of guys at risk for injury too. That's another thing yeah. that makes it difficult. And what about yeah, the whole like stats? Everything will be skewed to the moon this yeah. year. Too. Oh yeah, but you can get well, a free pass on those. I think right, and and, and that's <laughs> basically what they're suck this year. That's basically what they're saying is the entire season would have an asterisk. You know, yeah. Everybody knows it's not going to be a typical in any way representative. It's basically just play as many games as you can, get paid, and you know, so you don't have a blank line on the twenty twenty yeah. and for the record books. There so, is, there, I mean, the thought of being the first team on television television getting oh, baseball the exposure ratings would be blowing huge. it up yeah i mean because not that it's at a downfall right now but you know right. i mean to yeah. catch to catch a window that is actually in a hard time maybe to help yeah. some people out yeah get something on tv fun to watch and you know bring some people back to baseball which would be pretty cool but is it at the risk of you know thousands of people thank you thank that's you all the a fine line you fight for Think of all the people that are that have maybe haven't watched much baseball in recent years. Exactly. If it's the only sport on, on <laughs> yeah. you're going to get baseball fans plus a whole it, lot of other fa- other yeah. And and they're talking about do it. You know, l- just let it fly. All the crazy ideas they've talked about, yep. try them all. Mike everybody players, up. Yeah, because you're not going to have any huge. crowd noise. I that think that'd be, be great. That would be fun. You just got to watch out. You know, I mean, something can be said. It's got to be a little delay on there. Or something. You'd like a ten second delay. Exactly. Exactly. It'd be highly entertaining if they did it right, you know. Um, and and, and uh, you know, as far as 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 being able to play, if they did it in Arizona, it also eliminates how you'd have to finish the season. Like you know, in October, you could go into November if you need to in Arizona, you know. Yeah. And play, and play, yeah. And play your and play your playoffs if it's 
They talked about maybe by then, if it's better around the country, you could play them in maybe some neutral sites, dome stadiums. Yeah, like Miami not, or something Chase, like that. Yeah, and if not, you could play it at Chase Field, you know, the whole tournament there. Interesting. This yeah. is. I think I'd be oh. covering a lot of games on TV. I know that because they wouldn't be flying our asses out there. <laughs> <laughs> who's who's going to want to fly? Nobody's going to want to fly. I mean, they have exactly. to charter jets to take all the players out and everything. I don't. A grand yeah, experiment, the, wouldn't it? Uh, it's just a weird, it's a weird scenario where, like, yeah, people, people want to see it get going, and I'd love to be playing right now, mm-hmm. but can, yeah, if one person's affected in the baseball sphere, can you just get rid of them, or do they have to like desanitize the clubhouse? change everything no one else can come in that clubhouse that field gets shut down for the day and then yeah. it's a whole spiral effect of just pushing more games back right. and, and how about if it's chase field and they're playing triple hitters there exactly. and somebody in the morning test positive yeah so, exactly. yeah and then all the hotel staff and everything they got to be part of it you got to have that exactly they've got to agree the to what reaction, live the at the hotel of is huge yeah there's a lot of people it's a lot more involved than than Maybe people are just thinking, you know. Hotels are going to be empty, though. I mean, you got that running for you. You're yeah. not going to have a hard time That's why finding places to put everybody. But, yeah, you know, all the staff, everybody working, everybody would have to be basically tested. And be part of it. The hotel workers would have to be living at the hotel, too. I would think so, yeah. Yeah. And the, the restaurant staffs and the hotel staff and the maids, yeah. I mean, housekeepers. Yeah, I mean, it'd be a grand experiment. Man, just think, Luke, though, you would be a household name, dude, around the country. <laughs> every, ball, every ball player takes, would be, it basically. Takes, it takes a pandemic, but I got there. <laughs> so how do you feel, man? How was it? Uh, how difficult was it to shut down? Because I know you guys were. You guys had a good uh, spring. You are relatively healthy, and it seemed like everybody yeah. was really geared up and ready to go in a couple of weeks. Yeah, man. Poof. I mean, to be honest, we there was probably fifteen near twenty guys. Used after they said, "Hey, spring training is canceled." We're like, "Screw it, we're just going to stay here and train because we know it's coming yeah. back soon." Uh-huh. Everyone was ready to rock and roll. We were, I mean, we were already at back to backs as relievers, so pretty much mm-hmm. peaked peaked out in spring training, and we came in the next day did like a normal workout kind of ran. We're like, this is normal. And then Uh we get a call that night. Hey, everything shut down. Everyone go home. We're all like, don't come to the field. We're like, what is going on? This is serious. Mm -hmm. And then next thing you know, they said, Hey, canceled due to further notice. All facilities will be locked down. And we're like, okay, maybe a week. And then the Mm -hmm. next, the next, the next email we get is, Go home uh, forever. Possibly. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> no more baseball. Pretty Don't much. ever come back. That exactly. had to be surreal, man. It was so weird. Wow. So weird. Was it sad? Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like it'd be sad. It was, you know what I mean? You get to that point where in the off season, you like, you want baseball to be over and you're like, okay, this season's been a drag at some point and then playoffs come and you're fired back up. Mm-hmm. It ends and you're like, oh, whatever get ready going it's finally about a month and a half into the off season you're like all right get me out of this i can't i can't sit in the house with my wife anymore yeah i need something to do are you married now i'm married now that a boy how many years so this will be going on one 
Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> the first one was tough offseason, huh? Yeah. <laughs> it gets better. It's, like, it's actually been good. It's been a good time. But I'm like, all right, I need something to do. I need some competitiveness in my life. Yeah. So, you know, that, that that urge you get, that itch, and the spring training starts. And then once you stand in your cleats for about yeah. four weeks, you're like, all right, this needs to end. And the season yeah. needs to start. So everyone was like right at the point where the season, we had, I think, yeah. Eight days left before that flight to Arizona. We're like, okay, beautiful. We we hit the we hit the horizon, and then baseball's canceled. So yeah, it was like buzzkill after buzzkill after buzzkill. Just yeah, jeez, man. Uh, and then you get a text saying you're not getting paid. So then you're like, oh, that's nice too. So it was a little cherry on top. Yeah, it's your first year making money too, right? Exactly. Yeah. Oof. So. I can only imagine guys who sign one year deals though, and mm-hmm. things like that later in their career. That's, I mean, that's, I mean, well, yeah, yeah, it sucks. I don't get paid, but there's guys who are fighting for, you know, who just signed their first, you know, their first free agency deals for two year deals, you know, mm-hmm. big yeah. time yeah. money and they're never going to see half of it. I was thinking about that, you know, guys that, you know, some guys have one year or two years where exactly. they make really good money. You know, I had one with, um, I signed a two year deal with Oakland and on the back side of it, the, the second year I made six and a half. If I didn't have that year, I'd probably be out coaching or or, or doing something right now because oh, that's, that's how sad. much of a difference you know that year would have made. So if this year had fallen on that year, I mean it it changed the rest of my life how I was spending. So I I thought about guys like that a lot and and guys that <laughs> you know sign those backloaded deals and they have a year where they're making like twenty million or something <laughs> like that and it's just yeah. gone if they don't play. It's crazy. It really is. I mean, this is. I mean, so those like I can only imagine those guys fighting to try to get these games in. And I listen, I'm right mm-hmm. there with you. I'll get you know if it's 80 games, if it's 160 double headers, I'm in. You know, I, mean, I, yeah. I, I like I like the game, so that's all me. But the only problem is is the the stipulations going in between. Like, okay, if the season get canceled, who do you get the year of service time goes to everyone but rookies or something like that? I was reading, yeah. and then like it's like bad. Would, you know, would like Max Fried have arbitration this year or Sean Newcomb or Mike Soroka guys get a full year of service time or one year in Mike Soroka takes an all-star year into arbitration would be amazing for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, not saying mm-hmm. he wouldn't have a better year this year, but I'm just mm-hmm. saying, on a can't mess it up year, though. He, exactly. On a platform <laughs> year he had guys going to NAR making $8 million without playing a season, which would be pretty cool. Yeah, there's so yeah. many there's so many little things so like that that they have years. to work out. And I think the, what the agreement was, if the season's canceled altogether, you get a full full uh, year of service time, or you get what you got last year that that amount of service time if you didn't gotcha. get a full year last year. So, but yeah, like you just said, a guy who was this was going to be his rookie year, he's going to get no service time. I mean, he's missing a whole year of, and and then those guys. Think about all those one guys that signed those one year deals. Exactly. You know, they're back on the free agency. Like Marcelo Zuna's back in free agency. Yeah, next with year. a year off. Coming off a bat pretty, you know, not a great year. And then yeah, a, a year spring. where and, and then a tough spring where he did nothing. And he's a year older. He's 30 all of a sudden. Yeah. I mean, what's he not that yeah, you I mean, feel sorry for him, but geez. It could change your whole the whole trajectory of your career, though. You know, hundred percent. Time off could really hurt you too. How about the twins? 100%. How about the twins that give JD that contract? They're obviously counting on these first couple of <laughs> yeah. years, getting their money out. You know, going for the World Series this year with the team they had, and they're thinking he'll be worth it in the first couple of years of the contract. It's not probably not in the backside of it. Now you're paying the back. 
Now you got a three-year deal for forty-two million, but he's not going to get paid obviously this year if they cancel the season. But yeah, it hurts everybody. It's not just there's yeah, no. Yeah. It hurts Agreed. teams too. Agreed. Every players, owners, players, everybody. That lump sum. What did you guys get that at? You getting it in three payments? If is that how that something works? Like, yeah, three checks or something yeah. like that. And if we do play the play the season, we pay it back. And if we don't, mm-hmm. we keep it as yeah. like a stipulation. Yeah, it's like enough to live on, right? It's not hundred oh, percent. I mean, yeah, if you yeah. can, you know. I mean, there's guys I don't know who may have huge mortgages and stuff like that. <laughs> right, some right, budgets right. out there. <laughs> yeah, eighteen hundred dollars a month. I got yeah. as a budget right now. I'm I'm doing I'm well off. Yeah, <laughs> these guys that have the big nuts that have you know the the the, the huge mortgage, three or four cars. Those are exactly. the ones right now are going. Oh, oh shit! Yeah. I wasn't counting yeah. on this, man. Of all the, exactly of all the scenarios that I had in mind, this was not one of them. Yeah, and people don't understand. Like baseball career isn't like a normal job. It's not right. like we play till we're sixty. You right. know, like one year of our career is five, 10 years in a work for it place. So uh-huh. this is a lot, this is a lot different than a lot of people like, Oh, you, all right. He's missing out on a million dollars. Well, guess what? That guy only gets paid for six years of his life. You know, I mean, yes. it's, it's tough. It's tough to justify, you know? Yeah. I'll tell you this podcast money, these, these checks don't, uh, they don't compare to the, <laughs> to the baseball ones. <laughs> and Luke, steep, just steep pay imagine, drop. Imagine being yourself, Luke, just a few years ago, man. How much? How tough this would be, you know? What? What? This you know, would be. Oh my gosh! This would be a nightmare. Feel sorry for those guys, man. Those kids, exactly. minor leaguers, and guys on minor league deals that have never I made much money. I can only imagine. Are they, they're like they're they're probably just gonna bang the minor league season in general. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and all those guys who are you know pushing through AAA or working hard, or maybe their breakout year, or put their name on the map, and then the draft is gonna be what. 35 picks total. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like all the guys in college, like, oh, my year to get drafted. Well, guess what? There's only 35 picks in the draft yeah. this year. So, you know. Go back to college. Well, go back exactly. to your senior, your senior so year. A bunch of seniors, yeah. Or if that's go, gonna, to, go to JUCO for a year if you're a high school exactly, senior. Exactly. That yeah. trickle-down effect is going to be huge. Even yeah. with seniors in high school not getting drafted, everything. Yeah, so. yeah the draft's going to be loaded next year. So even if you were really <laughs> yeah, good, exactly. I mean, you're going exactly. back. You're going to have gonna a first-rounder <laughs> going in the third round. Yeah, there's going to be some hellacious Juco teams next year. Right? Yeah, there is. <laughs> Man, that's rough, though. But think about all those kids that – and the Braves have a bunch of them that you know they're going to – are they're, they're, the plan is for them to make their debuts this year at some time, you know, and, and, and maybe spend half the season up or whatever. I mean, all of a sudden, you got to push that whole thing back a year because if they scrub exactly. the minor league season, there's nowhere for them to play. As guys who read and write a lot of baseball, what are your thoughts on actually thinking this? We played the season or not? I've I've kind of wavered. You know, I thought for sure they play at least like eighty games a couple weeks ago. I was thinking that, but as I've seen this thing get worse and worse, and the number of deaths, and you know how it's spreading, I I don't know, man. This plan gives me a little more hope, but. At the same time, just the fact they're discussing this plan tells you right. how serious it is right. that it's not going to be played at the regular cities with fans, and it's not. That's not happening. You're not playing baseball Eric, you, this year you, in New you York. Think, do you think? Do you think the money is big? Like guys to play to get their paychecks, they'll they'll play in these circumstances. They're finding a way. I mean, if it's yeah. possible, I think no, everybody's going to. Do you think the players' be, association yes. would agree on it? You yeah. think they would? Yeah, I think. Dude, so I mean, you you're talking about. I don't know. I think it was four point five billion, or or I can't remember the numbers, but it's over four billion, yeah, over four billion uh, on the line. 
and got, like I said, you know, if every game that, that you could squeeze in, if you're making 10 million or something like that, it, me personally, oh. if, if I was making whatever I was making, that was good for me during my career, I want to get out there and, and, and like you said, we got six years to make this money, 10 years mm-hmm. to make this money. You, you know, you have to get out there and get as much as you can. Cause it's, it's the only time you're ever going to make money like this in your life. And yeah. if, if you know whatever you have to do to get as many games and i think both sides are looking at it as an absolute necessity but i don't think there's too many guys that are going to say you know what keep the 20 million i don't feel like living in a hotel in arizona yeah i agree i agree i agree the the hard part would be to i heard it has to the MLB commissioners and like boards said they will not consider it a full season unless they can get over a hundred games. What does that mean? So they ha- we'd have to play a hundred games to me. So you couldn't do an eighty game season. So they wouldn't do an eighty game season. Would not even do it? I don't know if that's true, but I think just for like I guess the sake of baseball and right. this, you know. I think you just asterisk everything, say <laughs> crazy t- year, and just see what happens. But I tell you what, I mean, though, if you do this in Arizona and you start, even if you start in j- middle of June, you yeah. can get you can get in a hundred games. All you have to do is play it through October. Yeah, that, you could do it. That it gives you four months. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's doable. Like if we're going to be playing, you know, doubleheaders on the weekends at yeah, a spring training exactly. field, like I'm in. Yeah, I mean, that's all you got to do. So you got to also See, pitching in Arizona kind of sucks. Everyone will tell you that. So this yeah. is going to be this is going to be a hitter friendly year. Yeah, it's just yeah, a shit show. But everybody, yeah. you know, everybody. Yeah, start at July 4th with an All Star game. Start the season July 4th with an All Star game and play through the end of October. Then you play the uh, uh, playoffs in November at. Chase Field or Dome Stadiums, if if you can play them in other state in other cities. Yeah, I mean, it's who knows. <laughs> it's so hard to even to try to figure it out. I'm, I got a, I got a, I got a feeling that football is going to be pushed back if they play at all, and you might have you might have happening. You I mean, might have okay, October, so November to yourselves. Exactly, NHL. NHL is about. They're supposed to just go into playoffs, like they're going to end the last game. You know, uh-huh. 15, 20 games a season they had and going to playoffs when they can. Uh-huh. That's great. Does NBA come back? They're they're talking about how hard it's going to be. You know, they're, they're they're working on it. They don't know what they're going to do. They don't have a solution like the like baseball is is working on. Baseball just yeah, because baseball can only do it because spring training is exactly. you know fifteen team fifteen actually legitimate ballparks. televisable yeah televisable ballparks. Yes, with it within like, like a D league. Yeah, within like forty miles of each other, all the ballparks are, and, and tons of hotels, like you said, empty in Phoenix. There's a lot of reasons why it can work that you would otherwise you'd have no chance. Yeah, this is you'd have the you you could have the sports landscape to yourself for a few months. Basically, I mean, it could be huge for baseball if they can play. I think the mic'd up thing would be big. I did too. I mean, the XBL just call it the, X, the Extreme Baseball League and just anything. <laughs> trampolines on a warning track. One guy, one guy in the stands. Would you be in if they said your numbers ball. don't count? <laughs> okay. You know, if you put up a 12 this year, you're not getting non tendered. You're cool with the with whatever rules fly. I, I would, dude. I would, you could, yeah, just put a, you can have, you can have, you know, 70 foot any, mound and metal bats. Go for it. We'll just we'll just see what happens out here. You can mix in a golf ball every third pitch. <laughs> what you Eric, you what you uh what you mentioned earlier though, 
Eric, about how you were you were joking when you said that after a month at home with you know keeping. <laughs> no, I wasn't wife, joking. Keeping, <laughs> well, I wasn't joking. Take, I would like to a, lock myself in a room for a few days a, right now in dead silence. My kids have been screaming since. Exactly, and a lot of players have young kids. Think if they yeah. take that vote like two or three weeks from now, how many players are going to be going? I'm the longer the, the longer the quarantine goes, I got a two year old that just wakes up and screams at everybody for six hours. He takes a nap and he wakes up and screams some more. What's that commercial where the guy goes? You got. Two choices: A, you could spend the time with your wife again, or B, because B, I'm taking B. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's um, not. I just, I don't think it's. You know, it's it's awesome to have the time with your family, and as soon as you're away from them, you miss it. It's just not something that I don't think a, a guy's head is. A guys aren't built for being in this atmosphere at home with their kids and wife 24 seven, like you need, you need time out to decompress and it's not healthy for anybody. Your wife gets sick of you being home too. You know what's weird? How weird is it for you guys to be at home? Well, Eric, you've done it for a few years now, but uh, to be at home as the weather's warming up. So you're in your shorts around the house and everything. This is like the time of the year when I'm doing, when I'm doing this is usually when I'm adding layers because it's winter time and you yeah. know, you're home. This is so weird to be like the other day when the Braves would have played their home opener. It was absolutely beautiful here, seventy-eight degrees, sunny. You know, and it's, it just feels weird. Yeah, the, the typical Atlanta would have scheduled this home opener. You know, Colorado, make sure we get the snow in. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah I, we don't ever get that. We never get that. Our first road trips: Philly, New York, Colorado. Yeah, always. It's been like that. Why? So the first year that you get, you're actually not doing that. You're going to Arizona and San Diego and it gets banged. (laughs) Man, you should have seen the games we played in Colorado. I think it was 2013, the snow games. Oh, the doubleheader? Man, you're right, though. I feel like every year uh, you start off with some cold, you know, Philly, New York, Colorado trip or something like that. You guys finally got a good one. It got bad. You had had the two coldest games in Coors Field history that one day, or two of the three, including the coldest. The temperature never got to freezing that day. You know, I was – so what they had me do, I was in the clubhouse because they knew I was going to throw the eighth. I was in the clubhouse till the seventh riding a bike. Uh-huh. I walked, they drove me through the tunnel to the back way to the bullpen. I walked out, started throwing, and then through my inning, I was probably outside for 12 minutes the whole day. That's, it was awesome for me, cool. but teammates hated me. Like, hey, you know, BJ Upton been out there just freezing for 18 innings that day, and he was just, you know, he wasn't happy with me. And Luke, <laughs> Luke can tell you about a colder day, though. Last year in Chicago. Oh, my Lord. Oh. I don't know how you guys did it, man. Honestly. What I don't was know it? how you did it. Dude, they played a game in Chicago that uh, both Snit and Madden and all the players, every player asked, said it was the worst they'd ever played in or no seen. Way. It was like my, 30 I was degrees. Out of the mound. My eyelids were getting like crunchy. Like my, yeah. my eyelashes were broken. <laughs> Eric, we did it was, that in it the was Midwest 30. It was 30, Eric, but it was how it was like 32 howling wind, oh, freezing rain going sideways. And they're out oh, there yeah. playing. You you have some games like that in the Midwest League, uh, up in Michigan and stuff like that in April. I, I mean, bet, it could be yeah. I think we played a game that was 12 degrees. Oh, Grand my God. Rapids. I can't remember where it was, but I, I remember being just the most miserable I'd ever been on a baseball field. Everybody was throwing like 86. You couldn't even get, yeah, yeah. You couldn't grip the ball. It, you know, it just pop out of your hands. You just tried to throw it right down the middle, and <laughs> hitters didn't want to swing the bat. Just, 
bunch Ugly of guys games. had bad numbers that day in Chicago, and, and all the pitchers said by the end you couldn't feel the ball. The, the, it, here's what it was to to the point, uh, Eric. In the uh, that it went to extras, didn't it? I think so. In the ninth inning, the Braves got the, the infielders got together in the middle of the field because they couldn't feel their fingers, most of them, and they couldn't feel the ball. And they said, if it's a double play, don't don't worry, but just get the out at first. They were not going to throw the ball to second base because most of them said they couldn't even feel the ball or the fingers. Yeah. They just said underhanded. They were going to underhand it to first. Yuck. Hey, Luke, what was it like? I heard the the relievers when he came out of those bullpens, which are now in That closed. was the worst part because Chicago has the oh, bullpen. Oh, it's indoors. Stadium. Yeah. So you, it was, there's no heat in there, so it's so cold in there, but it's not as – like you don't feel the wind. Yeah. So we're like, all right, everyone's riding bikes. I was, I remember we had like we were doing push-up lines. Everyone was landing <laughs> down to some push-ups, just trying to do something. Next thing you know, it's like your name's called, and you're like, you start shivering when your name gets called because you like the, the door would crack open every half inning. The guy would throw at the outfielder, and you could just feel it coming in. And you warm up, and you're like, okay, I think I have a feel for where it's going. By the time you run from the mat, the bullpen to the mound. You couldn't feel your hand anymore. <laughs> like sitting there, and the umpire is throwing you balls that are just frozen in his little. It's like he had a like a little igloo, Publix igloo cooler on his side instead of a little ball. Pouch. Man, you know my first uh, ice rocks. My first few years in Seattle, I used to see Adrian Beltre was always covering baby oil before the game. He he'd lather his whole body up in baby oil. He'd be all shiny. Like, Why does he do that, man? What's going on? And I guess if you, I guess it's a trick you can do. It kind of clogs your pores and makes yeah. you sweat more and everything. Uh, I wonder if that would have would have helped at all. But man, I, some days there's just nothing you can do when it's that cold. And trying to play baseball in that weather is just miserable. We had to just walk down from the press box at Wrigley that day to the end, and we had to go down the tunnel. And you and the the wind coming up through the tunnel. We looked at each other like, "You got to be kidding me! These guys have been out there playing in this for three hours." <laughs> yeah, no, even Newcomb couldn't handle it, man. And he's from I don't even Boston. know. Like, yeah, starter should have like the NFL quarterback little yeah. seat like fanny pack. Yeah, you just wrap that around the back and just stick your hand in it when you have the ball. The hand warmer in your pouch thing in the front. Exactly. So anyway, um. Speaking of last year, Luke, changing changing directions here. You had a three eight four ERA last year, team high seventy appearances. You had hundred and six strikeouts in seventy two and two thirds innings. That was the fifth most strikeouts by a big league reliever last year. Fourth most by a Braves reliever. Fourth most strikeouts by a Braves reliever since the team moved to Atlanta in sixty six. Uh, and you induced hundred and seven ground balls. That was a sixty point five percentage. Was Third highest ground ball rate in baseball last year by any pitcher that pitched at least 70 innings. You also had a 9-2 and two record for the, anybody that cares about wins anymore. That was the most wins by a Braves reliever in 20 years since Remlinger had 10 in 1999. And you converted 18 to 25 saves after entering the season with a total of one Major League save in your previous 93 career appearances. Which brings me to the only stat that a lot of folks seem to care about when it comes to you. Seven blown saves. Yes. Does <laughs> the, all remembers. the other stuff that, that, that I just mentioned, the people that don't want to focus on that, they'll focus on one thing. It doesn't matter what went into the blown save or anything like that, or whether your team won the game, whatever. They just focused on that. 
And my question to you is, does the negativity from all the haters that are out there ever become overwhelming? Or did you get to a point where you were able to just say, you know what, screw it, man. As long as my teammates and my coaches and my peers in the game appreciate what I do, I'm good with it. Yeah, I mean, listen, if you, if you, there are times where like, I mean, people are like, oh, get booed running out in opening day was always nice. You know, there's always, there's always, <laughs> always a couple of good things, you know, that kind of you remember. But I mean, I'm in a text thread with my boys and they send me like, whatever somebody says that they think's funny, that's absolutely just probably, you know, you know <laughs> the possible thing on the internet they could find about me. They send it in a text that so I get, I get it twice. If you guys were curious, anytime there's something really well written on there. Like I had this one guy call me a lunch lady for like, I think three consecutive months. Every single day I took them out. A lunch lady. Yeah. The lunch lady. And I, one of my buddies thought it was the funniest thing ever. So he has like this whole like list of this lunch lady land thing he's got made yeah so i mean don't get me wrong i think some of them are funny and i have a good laugh at it but outside of that i mean it's kind of brush it off it's it's whatever it's kind of like when people are yelling at you you know when you're warming up if, if they exactly. say something really good and creative <laughs> exactly. you know you can't help exactly. but laugh but if people just <laughs> scream you suck it's it's kind of turns into just dogs barking you know you don't, it's just noise yeah. but once exactly. in a while, somebody will say something creative, and you're like, "Damn, he got me!" <laughs> oh my god, you can't help but laugh. In San Francisco, you sit on the like you come out of the dugout and you run down, and we had Jason Mott and Mott ran down there, and this one guy stands up. There's no one. just super quiet. He goes, "Jason Mott, you're still alive." Oh. <laughs> 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 that big gray, we had that big gray beard, and, dude. Ever since then, like, I remember Jason Bell walked over, gave him the ball. He goes, "Listen, that was funny." You know what I mean? And you just you have to res- you have to respect good. You know what I mean? Some good some good humor out there, but outside of that, yeah, as you were saying, it's dogs barking when they're like, "You suck," and all the you know typical random things you get all day on Twitter. You know, yeah. San Francisco. I think San Francisco is one of the toughest bullpens oh. to warm up in. Oh, it's a nightmare. They right crush there. you there. And and yeah, it just exposed, you know, Wrigley and San Francisco, you're just like the stands almost wrap around you in San Francisco and you're throwing 10 feet from people. So you can't even, <laughs> it's always nice when you have a little bit of barrier, you can pretend you can't hear them, uh-huh. you know, and uh-huh. San Francisco, they're just there. You're there with them. You know, they're you're part your of this. Though. Yeah. Like yeah. the Wrigley there's used no, to be. Yep. There's no hiding from it. You know, they know you can hear everything that, that, that they're saying. And so it's, it turns into a conversation and you're just exposed. But I mean, sometimes man, it turns into a little bit of a distraction, but most of the time it's just like, can you guys just shut up? This happens every, every single stadium we go to. Can you just shut up and let me do my job real quick? When you uh, don't care. (laughs) What was that like Luke, when you give up a grand slam on opening day and then you got to face, you got to sit in that bullpen at Philly of all places for the next few days, the next that's couple of oh, Beautiful, beautiful. You know, that's what dreams are made of. Because <laughs> that place is pretty I mean, that, brutal, that was the turning point of my career solely in the fact that I knew it couldn't be any worse. Yeah. <laughs> that was in, in, in baseball perspective. I was like that mm-hmm. opening day, 
25th guy to make the team, lowest man on the totem pole, <laughs> opening it. day for zero outs, give up a grand slam. <laughs> you know, that's about here. I am. Yep. Beautiful. Here's what, here's what just, I'm bringing to the table this year, boys. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to get this thing going. Thanks for having you me. Know? And that, I kind of took, I sat in my, I remember sitting in the hotel after like, this is as low as it can get. This is the bottom of my baseball probably career right here. Like, yeah. And so there'll be days where I'm, you know, I mean, I'm, I hang them up and I'm like, I'm not good anymore, but I felt like I was still had some stuff there. And I was like, okay, maybe this is my finally, I made the team out of camp. I'm riding my high horse. Finally, like I'm ready to do big things Two run ball game opening day. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> Four spot later, you know. The best part, you know, you got to throw like twenty five scoreless innings after that too, to just to get a respectable <laughs> ERA. Exactly, and I, I think I threw twenty nine. That was honestly. What did I you did really? Yeah. I did. Yeah, that's the only way I think I possibly would have mm-hmm. turned that season around. I, I, yeah, I remember, I remember waiting on you afterwards that night because I'm like that game was a blowout. I was like, I got to find something interesting here. I want to see how Luke took this. So I waited in that clubhouse for like 30 minutes and you did all the stuff you had to do. You're still in your uniform or your under stuff, you know, the stuff you wear under your uni, uh, like 30 minutes. You see how shitty this minutes. guy's doing. Yeah. Everybody was gone. Everybody was showered and gone. This guy's still and Luke was like, you were wearing it, man, but you're like, I hope he puts me back out there. That's all. I just want to get back out there. I mean, you basically said that, you know, I think I threw every single game that series too. Yeah, I think it's through three out of four. So yeah, almost to open us open the season up throwing three out of four. That's the only thing I wanted to do at that point. Once you give a grand slam opening day, no outs, you need to get back out there. You know what I mean? I mean, nothing else is gonna ease your mind. I think until you start seeing stuff. Sometimes it's kind of nice too because you're you got nowhere to go but up. Agreed. You know, sometimes that kind of takes a little bit of pressure off. I'm like, well. There's a oh I did I thought well I'm getting released there I got DFA five I got DFA five times last year this will definitely do the trick again yeah they gotta wait I was like they gotta wait they gotta gotta wait ten days before the last guys they optioned to camp to call up so I got ten days you gotta get me out there as many times as you can. Well, for, before the option, Snit's a lot like uh, Bobby Cox and the, his mentor in that regard with the patience and and getting a guy right back out there. I mean, he's yeah. really big on that. And that's so huge for relievers. I, you know, the, the I think the number one mistake managers make when they run a bullpen is is they do the conga line thing where if you get cold, you don't pitch, <laughs> and guys that get cold and don't pitch stay cold. Mm-hmm. you know <laughs> it, it, and you and you sit on it mentally so you you'll put a guy in and and if luke had had that outing and then not pitched again till like april 8th or 9th mm-hmm. he's just the dipshit that gave up the grand slam and he mm-hmm. has that marinates for seven yeah. eight more days you know as opposed to you throw him back out there he could suck the next day and get three pop-ups mm-hmm. and he's still riding like positive momentum versus um, mm-hmm. and the man, you know, the manager sends a, a a signal of confidence when he puts you back out there, and that kind of boosts your own confidence too. But that's good; he got you back out there right Agreed. away. I thought that was one of the best things uh, Bobby and Snit do. Mm-hmm. And he does, and he does it with pitchers and position players. I mean, I remember Kelly Johnson, man, his rookie year. Kelly Johnson had this huge slump going, and Bobby Cox oh, said yeah. about every day, Bobby's, I love his swing, man. I love his. God, he's got a good setup. <laughs> Bobby, he's like two for his last 50. Man, I love that swing. 
God, I love That's all swing. Bobby did, man. He left you him could, in there I mean, every day, and he blew a bust. When he busted out of that slump, man, he went on a tear. Well, he talked about that all the time, though, that Bobby told him he wasn't going to AAA. He mm-hmm. said, you're my guy. You're staying. We're going to keep getting you out there. And he said, that, you know, every day that it went farther, he was kind of like, I wonder how much Bobby means this because you know, this, is, <laughs> this is getting pretty ugly. I don't know how long he's going to stick with me. He's stuck he with him. He never gave up. Every day. You'd ask him, Bobby, he's uh, – Anything new with Kelly Johnson? He's like, oh, for whatever. And Bobby's like, well, I love that setup. Mm, I love it. That's a great, great stroke. You know, Bobby say those things to you. And even if you knew uh, that he didn't mean it, uh, you still felt like he had had a good – he wasn't mad. It wasn't personal. He wasn't mad at you because a lot of managers, you know, you'll feel this negative energy from them. You never felt that from Bobby. You both knew that you sucked. It was it was clear that yeah. you were you were trash right now, but he would still send you a positive message. You know, like you could come yeah. in and and walk the bases loaded, and you'd walk off the field. and Bobby'd be like, "This damn umpire squeezing you." You, you yeah. know, he'd he and you, damn Bobby, I threw four balls off the backstop. You know, and you'd walk off the field kind of just like, well, I guess Bobby's. You know, he's not down on me. I got a good chance of being out there tomorrow. But uh-huh. when you get that negative energy from the manager. Um, Man, it's so much worse. And it, I thought he did such a good job at that. It helped me a ton during my career. It's it's yeah, he saved he saved me in my career. He uh my last year, not going into last year, like when it when I was pretty much the last guy, ran out of option, didn't make the team, was in camp, didn't even have a good camp, had a pretty bad spring, and Anthopolis came up to me and said, The only reason you're here is because Bobby Cox said he liked the way I threw. And I was like, Well, I'll take it. Yeah, I'll take that. Thank you, Bobby. And he's like, the only reason we kept you as the 25th man was because of Bobby. So I was like, all right. Well, (laughs) I owe you a lot, Bob. And then opening day happened. (laughs) And then opening day happened, and Bobby can only imagine what he was saying. (laughs) Well, it's hard to quantify this to people who who either don't understand or just don't put much stock in, like, exit velo and expected batting average and BABIP, batting average ball in play. Um but to put this in layman's terms, you were like the most unlucky pitcher in baseball for most of last year. In in the end, yep, I think I took the throne at the end. Yeah, in the end, you had an average exit velo of eighty seven point nine miles an hour, and the average expected batting average against you, with all the analytics taken into it, was was two oh seven. But hitters hit two sixty six against you, so. They had hitters had a 388 average on balls put into play against you, which a major league average was 298. Yeah, that's a 90 point difference. Yeah, yeah, there were some games where there's just nothing you could have done better, and you still wound up giving up two or three runs. Yeah, dude, there was, I think there's the one game that really, I think San Francisco when it blew the save in San Fran, where I gave up four infield singles to lose the game. Yep. And that one deep down, I think that one was the one where I was like, I, I was a, I'm, a, I'm a big analytics guy. I do a lot of that stuff, but I was like, I, I got to see this. I got to see what, like, how is this happening every time? Is it just like luck or is it like, just, so then I went to, I went to uh snit and I was asking snit. I was like, is there any way we could do six infielders? I said, and analytics says over time, I'm going to record more outs five, six infielders. Mm-hmm. 
And no. he goes, honestly, I would like, he goes, honestly, I'd love to do that. But how much of an idiot would you look like if you gave up a fly ball to the third baseman? <laughs> yeah. And I was like, yeah, that's probably a bad idea. That's what I was going to ask you. So, is, is that just expected from a guy that induces so many ground balls? I mean, you're going to have years yeah. where it just it doesn't even out? Yeah. I mean, they, so a lot of people, like for a long time, fly balls are like, until like the Hummer became more of a relevant thing in the past couple of years, mm-hmm. fly balls were way more better because it's less chance of a base hit every single time it goes in the air. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So guys who give up ground balls, guess they have more chances. I mean, the swinging bunts prevalent, mm-hmm. you know, in general, I can't feel my position because I almost fall down every time I pitch. That doesn't help so you. I'm just, I'm, yeah, I'm useless right there. And then, you know, if Donaldson probably saved me, you know, yeah. 10 runs last year fielding barehanded ground balls you really do look but like you cr- tripped every throw exactly i like jump off the mound and i like i get everything going one direction that i can't like i'm backwards like taking pfps in spring training doesn't help me because mm-hmm. if i actually threw how i did i'd be turned around trying to field ground balls <laughs> which is, does not help me you know you can't, so change, like, you can't change the way you throw that's, that's the hard I, yeah exactly i'm not greg maddox i don't finish in the perfect yeah. pfp fielding position that's just not who i am my camera. And uh, you know, I mean, I, I do my best, but it's not it's not enough to stop the infield bunt. But regardless, you had a great year last year. Uh, you know, do, doesn't matter how you how you slice it. That's a great year. The year you put in. You know, especially when you look at you gave up some three spots and some four spots and a couple two spots. You know, as far as ERA goes, that's how you put up a, a ridiculous ERA. It's just you never give up the crooked numbers. But overall, man, I looked at your year and I'm like. That was an awesome year he put together and a huge year for you. What do you think was like the big, the biggest change for you to, cause it, for me that, that was a coming out party for you. That was like the year that you said, I belong here. Yeah. Um, I think throwing strikes in general was always not the biggest issue I had, but I wasn't like a guy who is a dominant pound in the zone, but I kind of, I mean, BMAC kept telling me, he's like, listen, your stuff plays in the zone. Just yeah. get it in the zone. Yeah. Quit yep. trying to like, because I bounce so many sliders. I don't know if you watch. Like, I get a guy 0-2. I'm like, you're going to swing on one of these and I'll keep doing it. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I used to do that before, like 0-0-1-0. Like, but now he's like, listen, just get it in the zone. So then I started like a whole offseason. All I did was work on like, okay, at 2-0, can I throw a slider for a strike? Can I do it? It's a free strike a lot to, of times. Exactly. And I got to the point where I could throw a 2-0 slider for a strike. I got to the point where I could throw a 1-0 slider for a strike. I could throw a 0-0 slider for a strike. So I was like, okay, if I could throw off-speed behind counts at all points, and a slider is kind of not like your typical, oh, uh, get me in curveball. It's a little harder, and it's got a little more you know, late movement. So even even if I do get in the zone, it's not like, a, okay, this guy's sitting off-speed. I can get a ground ball with it. Well, it's easier to throw for a strike than a curveball, too. And, and, it's, it's, and, and I agree. It's more likely to get um, – you know, it's, it's just easier to, to control a slider than a curveball, so you feel more comfortable – throwing it but yeah that's 100 so yeah so i just i played off that i played off that i played off i had a good i could throw my slider at any point and i had my i have a you know a little above average fastball so i've got some got some ride on my heater that i could throw at the top of the zone and i work the top of the zone with my fastball i get ahead and i throw a lot of sliders and that was kind of like what i did i mean our catchers all year you know it, it got to a point where I was throwing a lot of off speed and then like you could see hitters kind of just lean out of the plate yeah. getting ready to try to pull them through the six holes so then i was like BMAX, all right, we're going in. Flow, flow's like, all right, first, first batter, first pitch, we're gonna go for a front hip curveball, something weird. Just to put something in the scouting report for him. I mean, there's, there's a cat and mouse game. I mean, Flaherty just threw, you know, I mean, sinkers all day and just powered, overpowered everyone, which I, I don't have the pleasure of doing. 
Well, I didn't though. My yeah. my first year in the big leagues, I did what you did, where I I was having a really really good year. I had like a two ERA into August, and I was throwing probably eighty percent sliders. <laughs> and and the league figured it out, and so August and September were really rough for me because we were playing our division again, and everybody was sitting slider, and all of a sudden, you know, oh. guys weren't chasing. I'd throw that two O slider, and, and the lefty would barrel it, you know. So you do you do have to make that adjustment at some point, but it's it's nice having some good eyes back there. A hundred percent that can kind of recognize that before it happens, you know, before the ball's in the gap. Yeah. So, I mean, that was, that was a big adjustment. So then it got to the point. So this spring, I came in spring and they're like, okay, listen, you're going to throw a good amount of curveballs, and you're also going to throw a bunch, a bunch yeah. of heaters in like, and then I just worked all, I mean, I had a pretty good spring. I, I worked on fastballs in and a lot of curveballs. I didn't even throw my slider a lot. So I was like, all right, if I can work off these two pitches and always have my slider as, you know, something there. You feel like you can always yeah. throw it for a strike now? Like you don't even need to work on. I don't yeah. know. It's this one thing that I don't even play catch with it. It's yeah. just because I, th- I have such a weird grip where I kind of spike a slider, spike a fastball. Yeah. That it's like if I know if I'm aiming at the catcher's right shoulder, it's, it's going to be down the middle. Yeah. And if it's going to I aim at his chest, it's going to be down on the ground. You such know what I mean? It's like feeling. two. Exactly. You know I mean, it's this weird. I think I, I threw over like. 1500 just like mess around not like fully torqued but sliders in the off season just so i can really hone it in where and everyone's like oh it's so bad for your elbow i'm like yeah listen if i threw 1500 of them mm-hmm. am i and i feel just as good as i did when i didn't throw 1500 of them i think i feel pretty good you know nothing it's individual that whole thing exactly you know, exactly most people works. say the most stress in your fastballs the most stress in your arms a fastball in general Did or I, yeah. you know or change up so that's what you did this change spring? up you were, you were, yeah. Well, that's what this spring I just bark at curveballs, but in the off season, yeah, the off season, yeah. And then the past yeah. two off seasons, I've done that. I mean, when I was up in Seattle, most of the time I'm just working on pitch design, yeah. I'm seeing slow motion yeah. just of how much up a drive line, drive line yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, and and work on just a lot of slow, but just to see release point. I wanted to see what what was good and what was bad, and why it was good and why it was bad. So every every release, I could be out of my hand, I could close my eyes, and I can tell like before I even saw it, I'd throw it. Mm-hmm. I close my eyes. All right, that was a good one. I look at the video and just on feel, I could tell you if it was good. And that's all I wanted to get to is the point where I can just close my eyes and like on feel, I knew that that had good break. That had good break. That's the right I need. That's where my hand needs to be just so I can feel it. That's it. I Once try I to, to point, explain feel so much. It's it's hard to like the visual and the feel aspect of, of throwing a, a good pitch or how the ball's coming off your hands and those adjustments and and how like you can ride a feel for three or four months. Um, I I talk about that all the time, but it's sometimes it's pretty hard to get that across um, to non-baseball people or people that haven't, Mm -hmm. you know, been on the field with that feelings like, but it's, it's just something that you feel like you could roll out of bed and, and do with no problem when that feels there. hundred percent. So you went to driveline the last two off seasons. The last two off seasons. Uh I spent about two weeks out there Mm -hmm. and just kind of, I work on, just mainly pitch design. I love their arm care program. I don't do a lot of, a lot of the crazy things that, you know, mm-hmm. don't get me wrong. They don't force anything on anyone. They let you do, they give you a program. Mm-hmm. They tell you what works for you, what works for your body, how your body works. And you can kind of use, use what's beneficial to you. And the guys there are amazing. All the staff there that have helped me. And we just kind of, I say, Hey, this is what I want to work on. I'm not here to try to really get velocity. I'm here to, mm-hmm. you know, I want to, get feel what Eric's talking about. Like I, I want to be able to feel what pitches feel good and have good movement and create better spin. Sweet. So I sit there and I just, I work on, I probably have, you know, 80 pitch side sessions where I don't at 75, 
just working on feel. So you didn't grow up. Crow That's Hobbit, a huge, 105 uh, with Mueller. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, that, I'm not that kind of guy. I think that's one of the huge uh, benefits of, of all the, you know, the technology they're using now is you can kind of line your feel up with, 100%. Um, you know, the angles that, that that thing will tell you. Because sometimes, you know, the, the, the technology doesn't match up with what you feel is your best slider. 100%. But 100%. all of a sudden, you just have a little extra data you can kind of play with for and, and kind of mix. It's got to be a hybrid between how you feel when you throw it and what the numbers say. But having that stuff, you know, a lot of people mm-hmm. are kind of think it's unnecessarily or threatened by it. But I think it's re- it's really beneficial and stuff I wish I had when I played. 100%. And like, don't get me wrong, even sometimes there's a coach out there, old school guy telling you, Hey, this is what you need to do, but it just doesn't sound right. But then if he could just show you real quick, like yeah, on a video exactly. or show you something, be like, Hey, this is what I'm trying to say. Then it's like, Oh, that makes sense. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes it's just the words some people are using. Don't kind of get to you. Maybe one coach says it one way, one coach says it a different, and you just kind of absorb it differently. And I think that's the whole, like one guy's like, feel your backside. And he's like, I don't even know what you mean, but feel my backside. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then yeah. he shows you in a video, like, look, you know what I mean? Oh shit. Okay. That's through. what that means. Yeah. Let me try oh, to do yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Dang. Oh, all right. Try that. And then next, thing you know, you're, you know, you're back to magic. And that's, what's tough. Cause coaching, you know, there's so many good coaches in baseball that haven't adapted to, you know, the new information and stuff that's out. And then on the other side of it, the guys that completely understand the data, they don't know what it's like to ride your backside and throw 95 in a, a stadium with adrenaline. You know, They don't know those things. I, I, agreed. So if you can get coaches that played a long time to start really embracing all this data, uh, you're going to look at really, really good coaches. Uh, and I think there's a lot of guys starting to get there, but I don't know if it's complete yet in the game. I mean, that's the next way if you can already see it coming. Yeah, for sure. Eric? Eric, when are you starting? Well, yeah, when are you pitching? When are you going to be pitching coach here? Exactly. I man. might come back if they go 50 man rosters. I might start getting my arm in shape. <laughs> <laughs> I think the no, coach I mean, might be more realistic, dude. Uh, yeah, well, you never know. A 50 man roster, I get one guy out. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, the tough thing, and I think this is the tough thing about the game, is I really don't have that much interest in traveling and and being somewhere yeah. and dragging you know you got to drag your family around yeah, it's like i think that's that's what hurts the the game a, a, a lot with former players made enough money where i can just stay home and, and be with my family now um i'd love to do a roving thing or something like that where i could come and just yeah. weigh in and mm-hmm. i feel like one of my strengths is communication you know with players and, and getting stuff across and i feel like i could teach guys a, i could teach anybody a slider i know that but you know it's just a matter of the the time that you have to put in as a coach um, you, mm-hmm. I'd have to, you know, my, I'd have to either be away from my kids. They're going to be in school or drag my family around. They're going to yeah. monastery school or whatever that's called. It's just, Montessori. it's not Montessori school. You it's, know, it's, it's tough to, it's tough to set up. It's more hours than being, than playing. That's what people yeah. don't understand is the coaches are there to, earlier in the day than the players are. Yeah. Yeah. So the game's got to find a way to I think it's going to be a lot of guys that played at higher levels, but maybe not right, guys that, right. you know, played 10, 15 years and, and could Agreed. stay home. Made the, and, made the, yeah, made the money to – they had the option. I love watching – I mean, it took me probably a year and a half to start enjoying watching baseball again, get that taste out of my mouth because the last few years of my career were, were tough. Um, failing that much is tough, but I still love baseball. I miss it a ton. I miss, I miss hanging around the guys and everything. Um, but, yeah, you know, unless it was like – the Mariners bullpen coach or triple a Tacoma or something where I could still spend a lot of time with my family. You know, I don't know if I want to pack up and move or be away from them. Yeah. So, so you gave up that grand slam to Reese Hoskins. 
and I just looked yes. I looked this up because you're talking about whittling down that ERA, what it takes. So the rest of the season after that after that Grand Slam, you had a three point three nine ERA the rest of the year. So that means that that one swing was worth almost a half run on your ERA. It's crazy. And yeah, you take out like- Washington and. Washington and San Francisco. Yeah. yeah <laughs> All of a sudden. Uh, Washington, I came in like 11 run lead and I just like, yeah, yeah. I'll throw a first pitch curve ball to Juan Soto. <laughs> Fun. Three run homer. That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty good. That was nice. That was real nice. Dude, what was about- it like going through uh, arbitration the first time for you? Because that's usually kind of an eye opener for guys. Yeah. Um, that was, it was interesting. I didn't, I didn't really know, like I talked to some people and I kind of did it. I, I like to do it. Like, I like that stuff. So I was like, kind of, all right, I'm going to do this myself, do a lot of research. My yeah, agents cool. were like, okay, yeah, yeah. So you help us out, like do whatever you need. And they got like a whole packet ready and sent me like, you know, cause you're compared to other players that went through art. Yeah. Not really how you did. It's like how you match up with guys who already done it before, which is kind of strange for two years. Is that it? Oh uh, yeah, more, normally it's like more recent cases because there's the yeah, salaries just take, tend to go up. They could take anyone. Like I had a weird case because I guess technically I lost my closer job once we signed Mark yeah. and I <laughs> everything like so that. that was my, so that was my biggest uh, negative. I lost my job, mm-hmm. so I, you have to take that into like. So it's like what guys. Lost you know, their job. Started out, started out, yeah, <laughs> lost started out as a long reliever, <laughs> closed, and then lost their job. It's literally kind wow. of okay. What players there? And there's a guy from like you know seven years ago. There's a guy from like three Jim years Johnson. ago. Jim Johnson. Jim Johnson. <laughs> so there's a lot of there's a lot of guys like that have these weird speculations uh-huh. that you're closest to that they try to like match you up with. Who are your comparables? Yeah, but, uh, so was, I I had odd ones. I had um uh the I get not the kind of the closer starter for uh, the Mets. Oh, with the Luke weird Seth name. Lugo. Seth Lugo. Seth oh, Lugo. Lugo. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Lugo, but he was a starter in the earlier parts of his yeah. career and he ended as a closer, but he didn't have near as many saves, I think. But it was like because he ended as a closer and was a starter early in his career and has way better like career ERA. Uh there was Kyle Bearclaw, I think. Oh. First yeah. year R. Those 18 saves yeah. helped you a ton, huh? A ton. Those ton, are big. ton, ton, ton big i mean i was like i mean you take out 18 saves you know i, I guarantee an arbitration i'm looked at like as a like a the fifth guy you're making 650 like, you know, this year exactly exactly <laughs> I'm, the fifth, I'm the fifth guy changing out to complete yeah you're working it's for tips in the clubhouse they, it's crazy how much they weigh those things yeah like it's and it's crazy how much they weigh that I lost my job on trades. Yeah, you know what I mean? It's exactly. crazy how like how much like anything that they can use to skew any side of anything. But don't get me wrong, I enjoyed the process. Like, it's cool. Yeah, maybe I'll go. I'll go to a trial one year. Maybe I'll go. You know, I'll we'll settle again. <laughs> do I don't it, know. Do it's it for fun. Like, it's funny how I know. I kind of. I kind of want to do it. Just, just do to it for go fun. Ask it. for like you know something ridiculous and then file realistic. <laughs> So just, ask for 12 mil, but then yeah. file realistic just to get in there and see what that room's like. So it's funny, the manager, you know, 
at Snid and, and your teammates said all year, oh, he saved our asses. He was our MVP yeah, or did. whatever. And then they get to arbitration. It's like, I lost his job. God <laughs> <laughs> yeah, couldn't even keep his job. And then, and then after all that goes, they pat you on the back and say, I can't wait to have you in the clubhouse. And they're just like, yeah. you told me I suck so bad. <laughs> yeah, a lot so of guys like, struggle weird. with that. It's just business. Exactly. You, you got to like know a that. Weird, it's a weird – I'm one of those guys who's whatever. It's all business. I know that, you know, it's good to build relationships, but in the long run, it's business is going to drop. Yeah. So both of you guys, you mentioned that having an ERA blown up in the early season, how tough is that mentally? Do you have to go, look, I ain't going to get it back in the next five appearances. I got to just go one day at a time and not worry. (laughs) Yeah. When you look at that ERA on the scoreboard, which is when I blew it up in the beginning of the season, I didn't care. That was a thing. Like I, I knew that was like, (laughs) okay, I, I, I'm probably released, so I just went for it. But then once I put together all these scoreless innings, yeah, anytime down, I man. gave up, anytime I gave up runs after that, I'm like, oh, I'm never gonna recover from this. Yeah. yeah, you know, it was like one of those things. It was like I didn't care at all when I had a million, but yeah. when I had a two one, I had two one, and I gave up three runs in San Fran to go to a three. I'm like, oh, I'm never gonna get this back. Yeah. Well, that those ten days had to help you a lot, though. Knowing you know you were at least gonna get a couple more shots to go out there and show something. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, in a weird way, that's. It, it, it takes a little bit of pressure off. I agree. That, I was, was going to ask you that, there. you know, this, this spring having somewhat guaranteed money for the first time had to feel a lot That's more comfortable weird. too. Cause that was my first, first, my first ever big in my year. Career. Yeah. Yeah. My first ever in my career It's the first career I've ever had a good spring training too, which is weird. Maybe not. And yeah, it, like I, I came into spring and I, I felt confident. I had great, great, but there's no pressure. Yeah. Right. Kinda, you know, as a, as a younger guy, I, I traveled 13 times last year in spring training. And wow. this year is my first year. This is my first year. I, I made one road trip, you know, in the 20 games we had gotten in. And it was wild to think like, you know, as a, like, you know, people like Darren O'Day and Tomlin yeah. and Erica Flaherty, they pack their gray pants up when they get to spring training. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm not gonna, I don't, I, I don't need these, 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 these don't need to be my locker. And, and and it's weird to see that like no it's I don't mind making the road trip but it's like oh it's it's more relaxing more getting ready more getting prepared for the season whereas when I was younger it was like a mm-hmm. almost as stressful as going to the playoffs spring training was for me because I was trying to make yeah. the team it was going to decide my whole year you know what I mean spring training was going to decide the next six months of my life pretty much That's yeah that was my first time having a, a really really good full season you know uh 2011 was, that was the first time I had a, a guaranteed contract and it was kind of just like wait, you mean I can just go play baseball now? Yeah. Yeah. You know, dude, it's weird. It's a uh-huh. different feeling, but I think, you know, I was interested to see how you did this year with, with that after everything you've been through all the bouncing around and up and down and everything. Cause even last year, you know, you, you had to think at times like, man, if I put up you know, a couple more of these three spots, you know, you, exactly. you never know, uh, even though you've been doing well. Like I get DFA'd five times, anything's yeah. possible. Hey, yeah, every day. You had talked about that. I did something last year when you mentioned it. I couldn't believe when you first said it. You got DFA'd or released, right? Five times in, what, 12 months by the Braves? <laughs> uh, faster than that. Like five times in like seven months from Christmas Day to, you know. <laughs> I kept being like, this got, guy's still in the organization. Day. I got, I got, I got, I got, I got Christmas Eve, I got DFA'd. Spring training DFA'd, first week of the season DFA'd, and then two more times in between. And this was two years ago, right? This is two years ago. How, this is how do you get DFA'd on Christmas Eve, man? What why does that happen? 
I don't know. Was, I was getting a, I was getting a call and I was like, oh nice. Talking, yeah, it's gonna be nice. It's a nice conversation. Chris Steve wishing me like, you know, happy holidays. Hey, just want to let you know we're gonna put we're gonna DFA you. Good luck. I'm, I'm Merry, Christmas. Merry Christmas. I'm doing late May panic Christmas shopping with my with my mom. And she goes, Oh, who is that? I was like, Oh, I just lost my job. Jeez, man. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, so that was a nice Christmas gift, but I mean, it worked out in the long run. I mean, there's there's a plan and a purpose, so I guess like built character. Yeah, exactly. I guess that's what they call it. You you start worrying a lot less, right? When you've been through it so many times, you're like, hey, I've gone through this before. I know what to do when I have to. Agreed. Yeah, and the and the, I mean, the last time I got DFA'd, it was kind of like a, I had a good like I had thrown like seven scoreless innings, and I was like. Yeah. Picked it to through five innings in San Diego. Yeah, that's the I one I remember. Up. I was like, oh, this is nice. And then it's like, oh, we're DFAing you again. And I was like, well, <laughs> you know, I guess you can get DFA'd at all points. It doesn't matter if you're doing good or bad. If you're the last guy on the list, yeah. it doesn't matter. That happened after you threw five innings in San Diego, right? Like the next day or that yep. night? And, well, you know yeah, when you're throwing night. that outing. If you're the last yeah. guy in the pen and exactly. you go four or five exactly. innings, you just start and packing you know after the game. Exactly. Wait for the phone exactly. call. I, <laughs> what time's I my flight? My I should have <laughs> took my uniform to the clubhouse. <laughs> what time's my flight? Exactly. <laughs> That's one thing, just to get sent down. You're one of those guys going back and forth. You got DFA'd, man. If you're yeah. out of options, right? The, oh, yeah, I was out of options. So I was just getting released pretty much because nobody was claiming me. And the last time... I after all those outings, I was like, for sure, someone's gonna, you know, take a shot on me, and uh. nope, nothing. So that's when I kind of was like, ah, I decided to elect uh, clear waivers. White Sox called me; they're like, "Hey, we're off your major league deal," and I was like, "Well, sure, I guess I'll take this." Uh-huh. I'll tell Alex I'm leaving, and uh, and before I signed, I called Alex, and he's like, "Hey, you want to stay here?" And I was like, "I'd love to." And he's like, well, we'll sign you to a major league deal. How about That's that? That's awesome. So you called him yeah. yourself? Yeah, I called him right after because they were good to me. I mean, he told me every time I went down, he said, listen, mm-hmm. I know it's a business, but he, he said, listen, I, uh, you know, you're the last guy. we got to make moves. Best of luck. I hope you get claimed. You know, you deserved it. You've pitched great, you know, but you're probably going to get claimed this time. But if not, we're going to call you back up as fast as we can. And, you know. I That's so huge. That communication, yeah, so. You know, it could destroy a guy if, if you don't tell them those things you know like when a team tells you you're coming back that takes so much that helps so much just the mentality of going down and working hard versus guys that you see it destroy guys that that are just left in limbo and the organization doesn't tell them any anything about you know their situation or why they're getting sent down and everything that's that's why so many that's why so many guys praise certain organizations that are known to communicate well agree yeah and listen like when even when they tell you that you go, you go down to triple A, I'm working hard to get back. I mean, they're good guys. They're yeah. working hard for you too. You know? Yeah. Luke, I've heard that uh, Alex's may, maybe his biggest strong point is the communication. How, how he, he doesn't lie about any of that stuff. Good or bad. He tells you where you stand. Yeah. He's straightforward. He I will be a hundred percent honest. He is straightforward with anything he tell you. That's good. He'll tell you if you suck. Yeah. yeah that's good. So you can believe him when he tells you <laughs> something. <laughs> Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, you'd rather have that than someone wear a facade and not tell you anything. Yeah. Hey, so I remember John Smoltz had – oh, oh, one other thing. You you also – there was also the story about you got released, the game where you took a cab or an Uber from the airport, left your phone in the car. <laughs> what was When was that? That was in that – Oh, my God. What happened there? That was – 
we're in um, Indianapolis. Yeah. I get a call banging on my door. I'm, I'm, a, I sl- I'm a terrible sleeper, by the way. I can sleep super heavy. So I get a banging on my door to wake me up. Like, hey, you have a flight in an hour and a half. Mm. They have a four o'clock game or something at home. And I'm like, what? Like, so, all right. So I get my stuff. I'm like, should I grab my stuff at the field? They're like, yeah, you got time. So I ran, run down the field and walking distance and run out of the field, grab my stuff, get in a cab. Flight actually gets canceled. So I'm like, oh boy. So I call uh, Lovey. I'm like, hey, flight's canceled. He goes, all right, I got another flight for you. I get on a flight. Uh, it gets delayed. I'm just sitting on the tarmac. I'm like, well, game's about to start. <laughs> Land, get in a cab, get to the field. It's the eighth inning or seventh inning. I run down to the, get my uniform on, run to the, Don't tell me to you the pitched. Bottom, bottom of the seventh. Luke, get hot. Get hot. Sit <laughs> <laughs> down. Game ends. Go back to clubhouse. DFA'd. Realize, oh, I left my phone in the cab and I was running. I ran down the uniform in the seventh inning and I knew it was like we were down by a couple. I'm like, I'm probably going to pitch. Might as well eat some innings here. So I run, leave my phone. I sit in the – I'm like, well, I can't get my phone to get anywhere. I'm stuck at the clubhouse. Can't get my car. It's at the AAA field. I can't call anyone. So I'm just cold calling from the clubhouse phone to the cab company. Nobody will answer. Oh, um, 3.30 in the morning, random guy answers. He goes, yeah, I, we heard we picked up a phone. I could drop it off for you if you pay the cab wow. fee. I'm like, dude, 100%. And you can cab me back to and you can cab me <laughs> in my car. And I need a ride. <laughs> so, and I need a ride, yeah. <laughs> so the guy came back, dropped my phone off, cab, 4.45 in the morning. You know, one of the, is this one of those – those horror stories here from people, but you know, it was, you know, it's all worth the all the worth glamorous it. life, huh? <laughs> exactly. So yeah, John Smoltz had a season like you were talking about uh in 02. He gave up eight runs in two thirds of an inning in his second appearance that year. Gave him a forty three point two oh ERA. In his next seventy three appearances, the rest of the season, he had a two point four O ERA, one ninety two opponents average, and a five thirty three opponents OPS. Finished with a three. Jesus. Finished with a three two five ERA. <laughs> it's so crazy. That, so that two out appearances in the second game of the season cost him eight tenths of a run on his ERA. Yep. God. His that e- was like his how, ERA was how you see a Flaherty and Johnny. Betters and the guys posted one. Yeah. You guys are absurd. That's why it's so hard, man, because you can't have one bad game. What'd you have? 08, 5, one year old flirty? I had a 9, 8, and 11, nine, but eight. I felt I was, I've always been more proud of 2000. <laughs> I've always been more proud of 2012, man, because I, yeah. I got destroyed in, in April. Yeah. I gave up, like, I, I don't know. I finished April with like a 7 or an 8 ERA, and I had to go the rest of the year. I think I went the whole second half scoreless or something like that. <laughs> But I had to just—I had to put up ridiculous numbers the rest of the year yeah. to to just finish with something respectable. But I just always look back at that because I I remember how much harder it is, you know, to battle when you know it's it's going to be such an uphill battle versus like yeah. 2011. Everything just worked out. Yeah, there wasn't the mental struggle of shit. I got a seven ERA halfway through April, and you know, was last year a fluke or am I legit? You know, what am I what am I doing out here? It was just smooth sailing. But 2012, man, I had to. You know, I lost. Uh, I lost the eighth inning. I had to kind of pitch a lot of mop up duty and, and work my way back into important games. So I've always been, you know, felt better about that one. So looking at Smoltz's that year, 
That's crazy, man. His ERA at the end of May that year was two was five point nine three. <laughs> oh, and yeah. he led the majors with fifty five saves and fifty nine chances that year. How crazy is that, man? That is insane. Five nine three at the end of May at fifty five saves and fifty nine chances. It matters too because hitters see that. You know, when when you roll out there with a six, you could see them just chomping at the bit to get, you know, licking their chops to get into the box against you. Uh-huh. When you when you roll out there with a with a really good ERA, I mean, it's like an immediate confidence boost if you roll out there with like a, a one four, you know. But when you yeah. come out with a seven, you're like, you know, it's it's just another factor that always played in my head when I when I knew I had good numbers posting up on the scoreboard, I felt like it worked in my favor. Yeah. But going out there with a seven in April, you're like, damn. All right, these guys. These guys know I'm not hot right now. How old are you, Eric? Thirty-five. You know how old Smoltz was that year? Probably forty-one. Thirty-five. Thirty-five. <laughs> Damn. No, he was still. Remember, he went back to to starting and won like another forty-five, fifty games as a starter after that. Then, then why are you telling me my comeback's hopeless? Tell me <laughs> it's I not. Coach. There you go. Come back as a starter, man. <laughs> no chance. I can I can only focus for like an hour at a time. <laughs> oh man. All right, well, uh, so it, so Luke, after a season like that, is it going to be easier? You think it's easy, even easier now to sh- kind of shrug off the criticism and know because you know what you you know how good a year you had, like Eric was just telling you. Yeah, I mean, you're going to get crit- I mean, everyone gets criticism, no matter if you're Jake Degrom yeah. or yeah, you know, small man Luke Jackson. You're going to still get it. You get heat from anyone. There's always, you know. Yeah. Trash talk Tommy sitting on the internet, just keyboard warrior in a way. Do you read so, it all? Do you log on and, and start reading stuff? I, I mean, if I if I don't if I don't get a text from me, yeah. Oh yeah, you probably I, send I it to you. That makes it kind yeah, of hard. Yeah, yeah. If, if I'm not getting a text, if I'm not getting a text to me, like I'm not going through my Twitter looking for like hate. Who hates you know what me? I mean? It's just like <laughs> yeah. exactly. You know, you go, you don't if give up a, a blown on, like, save and Google Instagram your name. Photos, <laughs> or, like yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not looking to go like burn a dumpster fire. You know what I mean? Like there's a. What's that? But, where's the Slider Man name nickname come from? I forgot who gave that to you. I don't know. People, people. I mean, Jesse Biddle right. called me and called me like he gives me like a thousand nicknames. But people started making like emojis on like Twitter and like keep putting my face and like Slider the Spider Man because I know I'm a nerd, right. so I like all Marvel right. and all that stuff. Yeah. I put my name in all these like pictures, so I was like, all right, whatever. I'll just kind of embrace it. They started sending me some like bobbleheads in the mail. What was the full thing? I was like, all right, whatever. Full name was what? It was the full thing. So I was like, all right, I'll take it. I'll take it captive. But Jesse Biddle can I say he's the originator. What Slider Man though? What was it? Yeah. No. What do you say? No, the full name was I forgot the full nickname. I forgot what it was. The what Slider Man? Something they called just something. The something something Slider Man. I don't, I don't know. know. I, I honestly Friend, don't know. Friendly neighborhoods. Yeah, neighborhood. that's what it yeah. was. Oh, yeah. You already forgot yeah, it. Spider <laughs> I mean, yeah, I didn't know if there was something that. That's no. the actual. Dave gave us the nickname Oventral one year. We had to How hear that, that all season. It's stuck. <laughs> it's that's stuck. Great. That's stuck. He just took I, our I names and put them together. <laughs> no one can come up with anything better. <laughs> it's stuck. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah I mean, what a I've never said the bullpen. Maybe maybe throwing a jerseys down with that on the back of it oh that is weird that that trio man Oof. hey yeah uh, yeah but th- but last year the highlight one of the highlights for me of the year was when josh started his umbrella thing when you looked down 
the people who would look down at the at the bullpen, <laughs> they would bring out the yeah. umbrella, and you all you yeah. all would circle around underneath it like in a little. Clip. Yeah, that we're actually awesome. the originators. Yeah. We're the originate. We're the originators, but the bullpen gets no love, so they, all these shows are dug yeah. out doing all their hoopla. People forget you got started the whole. People umbrella forget thing. the brains of the operation are down there. The brains of the operation are down in the. Bullpen. No, it's just the guys with nothing else to do but come up with stupid <laughs> shit. <laughs> That's actually Everybody else has something to do the first seven innings. <laughs> hey, so even if Darren O'Day never throws another pitch for you guys, which which I think he he looked good in spring, but he his contributions he's already made his money with what he's contributed to the morale down there, hasn't he? He's been great. Oh uh, yeah, great? the guy, the guy, the guy's a ball. The guy's a ball of morale. He's great, isn't he? He is. He's phenomenal. He's a funny dude. Smart. Very smart. Very. Don't ever tell him I said yeah. that. Can like block him out so he can't read this. <laughs> Luke, yeah. you, you told me you thought I was low IQ for a while. <laughs> Listen, people, people didn't people people slept on. Oh man, yeah. I people didn't know until you saw his Twitter. You didn't know he had yeah, humor. It was cool. It's a it rare. Was it was a, listen. It, it was quiet yeah. in spring. He was he was funny. He was you were funny in a sense of like you just didn't care anymore. <laughs> And I and sucked, you man. Just, you, and and but you made it a good time. You didn't, like, you just, you wouldn't ever know you sucked. You know, what I, mean? I knew you it. Just kind of like <laughs> you knew it, but nobody else did. Yeah. But then once you kind of see his actual humor, he's he's got he's got some things up there working for him. He told me that a few years ago. He grabbed a beer when he was working out at Driveline. He's like, man, I thought you were really <laughs> low IQ when we were teammates. <laughs> <laughs> damn man what the fuck's your problem <laughs> no and you were telling me about hey i went to this podcasting i was like dude you'd be unbelievable what do you know yeah here we are here we are all right on that note we're gonna wrap up this podcast uh a pleasure friends pleasure. yeah it's a pleasure for us man by the we way oh dot oh dot me for a beer this year drive line again yeah i was i was busy Oh yeah, yeah. He was busy all two weeks. I was there, but it's okay. My bad. Cool. Next time, <laughs> I don't feel bad at all. We'll see you next time, though. <laughs> well, hopefully, we will see you this year. We have something to talk about this year, man. Yeah, Maybe yeah. Have you good? One hundred ten uh, degrees, Arizona. Arizona. Yeah. All right. Well, a hey, pleasure. Pleasure. Thanks folks. a lot, Luke. Yeah. Thanks Appreciate for coming it. on. Always. Oh, no, thank all you guys. Right. Talk to you. You guys are awesome. Take care.